Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And what if you could break through the illusion, that false sense that you're separate from your mate, your partner? Is it possible? And what if you could acquaint yourselves with the larger field of energy and love from which you both originated? Our guests today say that in doing so, you can learn how to see more clearly, act with integrity, communicate with respect, thus healing any separation between you. Your partnership can be a pathway to the matrix that connects you with the wonders of life all around. You know, relationship is sacred. Our intimate partnerships can offer a path to the highest expression of our love and for the whole of life. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your mind. Connect with your heart. And settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guests Leela Sophia Tresemer is a group facilitator, author, photographer, ceremonialist, minister, and co-founder of the Path of Ceremonial Arts and Women of Vision. Dr. David Tresemer has a doctorate in psychology from Harvard University and has followed many paths of research into the transpersonal realms of consciousness. Together, they make magic. They have authored several books, created numerous videos, and facilitated countless gatherings, ceremonies, classes, programs, trainings, and so much more. I am honored to bring their essence to you this morning. Welcome to the show, Leela and David. Thanks, Dr. Julie. Thank you, Dr. Julie. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. What a great introduction. I just think people could stop now and listen to that about 10 times and they would be there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, I, I'm really happy to have you here today for so many reasons. And the reality is I could have had you each separate and we could have talked about numerous of topics with each of you. So I'm really honored and excited to have you together to talk about this conscious love, illumined relationships and, and what you've done together with your work collectively with your wisdom. And we're probably going to have to have a follow-up show with both of you because you both have this immense wisdom to share with the world. So I'm really, really happy to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Before we start, I have a traditional first question I love to answer on the show. And I just want to acknowledge that in your book, The Conscious Wedding Handbook, you talk about being different. There was one place where you, you talk about David's perception of, of angels being different than Leela's perception of energies and essences and presences. And so I know you you might just answer this question separately and differently. So I'm going to ask you, what does all things connected mean to you? And I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear your separate answers. Oh, you mean not, don't talk at the same time? <laughs> we <should. laughs> 
<laughs> we do sometimes do that. You can talk together if you want to, but I don't know how coherent it would be. We can do that later. <laughs> Who wants to start? Let's do one at a time. Okay. I'm so excited by this because when you talk about all things connected and then also letting separation go, to be a thing, you have to be separate. But then you have a connection, and then you can actually feel your oneness, your merging unity with that other thing, and then you're no longer things. Maybe that's too philosophical, but I'm really excited by this because it has to do with relationships between people. We start mm -hmm. off as our individuality, which is actually, it helps actually to think about that as being separate. And in psychology, we talk often about having a really highly developed sense of boundary. This is me. This is not me. But then we get to a place where we actually begin to feel this energy moving between the connection part, between me as a thing and Leela as a thing. And from that platform, we can experience a kind of blissful state of unity. And then we come back into the thingness and we come back even to the separation. I think the, the trick here is going be being able to visit all those states, not just going from one to another and staying there, but to be able to visit all those states. That's my answer. Mm. I'm going to come back to that in a second because I want to just make a comment. But Leela, let's hear, what does all things connected mean to you? I like to bring up the image of the web. And I like it because we all almost instantly now think of the web as the Internet. And for me, the web, the true web is the web of life that does connect all things and that all things are in resonance and ultimately, the resonance is between my bones and the stones, or my blood and the rivers, uh, or the ocean water, how it relates to the, the, the fluid in my body. So I, I think of things as being interconnected, that we are all, and I think it's beautifully stated how David can, can see it as the... Um, the movement of where, in a way, is the identification of the I that's experiencing the connection. Is it through my ego, which can feel separated, or is it my universal self? From that perspective, all things are connected. So it's, a, it's the dance of the octaves, really. You know, where, which octave are we seeing from and experiencing from, and are our senses what limit us or do the senses expand and we understand our connection through those more subtle realms. So for me, the web, the web of life that connects all things, the true web, I would call it the organic web of life. Uh, we are all connected and I can connect to a tree that way and find the wisdom of a tree in myself. Wow. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I agree with both of you. And, you know, the thing that both of you mentioned that I, I really just want to pause into and, and maybe even put an exclamation point on is, is David, you were talking about the, the trick is how to visit all the states and, and Lila, Lila, I'm going to, I apologize. I'll probably do that a couple of times. I have a really dear friend called Lila and you remind me of her. <laughs> Lila, you talked about ego versus universal self. And really there's, there's so much out there in, um, 
in the new age movement and spirituality movement that really gives us this idea that we transcend that individual self and the ego. And what I'm hearing both of you say is let's embrace all of that and move fluidly within our ourselves as individual wholes within the greater whole. Yes. I mean, there's a practicality about crossing the street. Uh, it's really helpful to not merge with everything, but to understand yourself as separate and vulnerable if you're crossing the street, for example. Yeah, great example. And on the other hand, we probably all have had the experience when you're in that slightly altered state. Um, like I notice the difference if I'm driving my car through traffic, there are definitely times when everything just flows. I hit all the green lights. I, I'm in like a river rather than stop and go, stop and go. So I think that we even, you know, dealing with traffic and crossing streets can be in an altered state. And you don't want to be so altered that you lose touch with where the cars are. exactly (laughs) oh that's a good example and you know it's exciting to the the, one of the exciting things about um having the two of you on is this um this yin and yang yang this this gorgeous complementary energies that you both bring and from being this ceremonialist spiritualist to this Harvard graduate in psychology, we can now blend and integrate. And it's so beautiful to hear your responses because that's what I'm hearing. It's this integration of this higher um, wisdom into who we are that, that really can make a difference in our lives. I, yeah. And I, I love, um, you know, the yin and yang for me can translate into words like form and flow. Mm. Um we're, and we need both. And to, to only think we flow isn't honoring the fact that we incarnated, which, you know, if you look at the word incarnation means in the carne, in the meat, that's actually what the word originates from. So we chose, each of us in my cosmology, we, we chose at some level of awareness to become embodied. So to try to get out of here prematurely seems like wow, why would you want to do that? It's just so interesting here. And uh, to kind of make the best of it and transform as we are able matter itself through our own awareness of embodiment and being fully awake to the challenges, the, the challenges and the opportunities. So yin and yang, the other principles I love to dis- discern between masculine and feminine and female male, like some people think they're the same thing. So the, the gender distinction of male, female for me is very much um, something that's getting more and more fluid in this day and age. But the principles of masculine and feminine, we all contain those. And if we see those as principles rather than uh, come to the lowest common denominator of gender, then I think that frees up an understanding that I have masculine and feminine aspects, as does David. I have flow and form. I have yin and yang. And then we find, you know, I find that balance in myself, but then I get to find it, its unique expression in my relationship. Mm. And that's where it starts to turn into the dance. I love that. 
I love that. Thank you for bringing that up because that does come through in your writings and that whole idea of really waking that to a sense of resonance and balance within ourselves is so important for our work on the planet today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually, we have a, a simple model that is so profound and it, one of its virtues is, is, is its simplicity and we keep coming back to it. Can I just share that? Please, yeah. We call it one to oneness and it really helps. I, I sort of said something about it earlier, but I didn't use these terms which are so simple. I mean, some sound bites in the world help. And many are distracting, but one, two, oneness. So we begin as a one, and we are an individual, a sovereign individual, a uh, I am here, and I am I, and you are you, and I'm over here, and you're over there. And that's really helpful to say this is the landscape, this is the, the real estate the, of the life force for which I, my consciousness has responsibility, the one. And I develop that one. And I mature it, and we're so happy when people grow up and uh, you know have experiences, and they grow from that, and they create their one. Then there is a two. You go into the two, which is a, a, a two ones. You you go into a two-ness, which is partnership or relationship, and it can have healthy versions or not so healthy versions. Um, it is the training ground where two ones can come together and really mature themselves even further. One of the greatest benefits of relationship is maturing the other, your, your partner, sharing that growth curve and also uh, contributing to it. From that platform, you can act, you can go to the oneness, the experience of out of time, out of space, bliss states, uh, freedom, whereas the others in the partnership partakes both of freedom from the streaming from the oneness as well as drama and limitation and conflict. But these are all learning. These are all learning possibilities from which you create a stronger one working in two, and then that becoming a platform for experience of blissful oneness. And sometimes, Julie, I think that the people expect themselves to prematurely transcend or ascend, which is a big, you know, big theme in a lot of uh, spiritual work these days. Uh, and I, I have a healthy respect for the process of ascension, and I think that it's been modeled by initiations of different sorts, but I actually revel in the partnership. I actually want to be in relationship and in embodiment and not be putting my sights prematurely on getting out of here, quote unquote. And and I feel like that's um, that's something we need to address in, in this time in our lives. Like what what is it that when we had made a commitment, when we made a commitment to incarnate, to be on earth, what's our responsibility as enlightened beings to the earth rather than how do we get out of here? And I think that's a really important thing to to ask listeners to consider, whether they really feel they have a relationship to the earth, to nature. In my cosmology, that would be to the divine feminine as Gaia Sophia uh, or or the, the mother energy of the planet. You, you, yes, you 
talk about this more in the the conscious wedding handbook and you the one part of really being the communion i really would like to unpack this just a little bit more because you talk a lot about that space that energy that magic between you and and in itself that can lead toward ascension right and and a lot of these beautiful spiritual experiences that we're talking about but this connection to earth this connection to divine intelligence you guys use really universal language that really helps uh, use a lot of reallys here but it helps to <laughs> in, encapsulate so many traditions your writing is is universal i appreciate that about you so help us understand this that that our one two one comes into this place of of communion and something greater than ourselves but also this really um almost like settling into a responsibility to a greater whole of some sort i i love the feeling of um the universality has a lot to do with the four elements and that there's a an awareness that through let's talk about indigenous cultures for a minute that the um indigenous wisdom has a lot to do with going into nature and becoming connected to all things in nature and really feeling oneself as as the tree and as the rooted and as the birds flying and as where you know where is the tracking of the animals you know what's the nature of water how do we start to become um awake to the fact that we are living on a sacred landscape and on a planet that really they have not found if maybe there was some recollection in recent time that they found another livable planet it was so many light years away it would take oh right 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 they did find one that was the right distance from a star they didn't know if there was life on it or not and it's only 89 light years away which would take us i think a thousand years to get to it our present maximum speed <laughs> so it's kind of to treasure what we have and i think the indigenous wisdom was also a path of recognizing mm-hmm. that it was through nature that we came into the high communion with with the spiritual world and that can differ a lot according to tribal mythologies and creation stories and i i have just come to be you know, i just absolutely treasure the natural world and i feel i have an accountability to it and one could see that as that's where i go when i need when i need to just come into my skin and really deepen at the same time i go to nature um when i feel really content in myself and aware that i'm 100% responsible to my experience of relationship then i can meet my partner as a fullness rather than i'm looking for him to fill holes <clears throat> that may have been created through my childhood and my primal relationship with father father in my family or father god if i've got those projections going on my partner then we're going to have a little bit more of a sandpaper experience for some time until i can really iron out what's mine what's his so there's something about not shying away from those conversations but actually having them in an awake alive dialogue so they can be healthy you know it's not to avoid them or to think that if we trip up in a pothole or something that something's gone wrong or it's actually that's the time to use the tools in the tuness to create flow and dialogue and learn from like david and i have decided that 
arguing or fighting. I mean, we, we have lots of disagreements, but they're so much fun that we laugh mostly through them. Um, it's not that we agree about everything, but we don't uh, argue in a conflicting way because it's just for us, that's not the way to resolve anything. Um, so we'll usually sit down and use a tool and sometimes we express anger, but not necessarily at the other person. Do, do you know, it's like it's developing healthy tools so that you're in these yeah. processes so that then when it comes to, a, you know, the sense of either peaceful meditation or fantastic intimacy or whatever might be the way through to that um, deeper meditative communion place that we we're fully awake and present to that and able to enter that doorway together. Well, let's back up. You you do talk about tools in the book, and maybe we can get into some of them, but I would love to hear, maybe for the benefit of our listeners who haven't read this book, let's define conscious love before we get into those tools and how to unpack that in relationship. You also write about illumined relationships, but I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear you both speak about conscious love. What is that? Um. Uh, about we actually use the term illuminated relationships just as a small we actually have a website called illuminated relationships.com yes, yes. <clears throat> that's but and illumined might have been a better choice i i don't know i'm fine with illuminated uh, <laughs> so you're talking about conscious love yeah what's conscious love uh-huh what's conscious mm. what's conscious it's being aware of what's happening. And we're really happy that we're not conscious of a lot of things <laughs> like digestive processes or having to make the decision to breathe or what exactly happens with light stimulation going to the into the eye into the optic nerve and then being sort of pieced together into what we see in the brain. So there there is we are graced with lack of consciousness and we're graced also with forgetting there are a billion things that come into us every moment and we are in the act of ignoring or destroying many of those things now so conscious really we're talking about increasing your awareness of what's happening maybe by a percent maybe by two percent so it's um which may which is huge it's immense compared to what we're what we're dealing with. So I, I think Leela wants to talk. Okay. <laughs> I, love that. I mean, that was, that, to me, that was a great example of a masculine response to, to an answer. I love it. What's conscious love? What's okay. conscious? Okay, let's define conscious. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, another approach to response would be um, related to... <laughs> Picture a circle, and in the circle is, let's say, love. Love is in the core. And then there's sort of this triangulation of experiences of love. And I would, um, I love the intentionality that love can be a combination of intimacy, sensuality, and sexuality. Like the experience of love in a relationship. And in an ideal relationship, you have all those three firing, you know, pretty much all the time. 
Um, but there are a lot of people who can who experience sexuality without sensuality or intimacy and vice versa, right? So to me, it's like the weaving, a, a conscious love relationship um, has those three things operative. And then other qualities that would be values for me would be the ability to, to trust, to communicate, to know that my that my partner is there able to hold, all the expressions of myself when I'm in balance or when I'm not, and that I trust him enough to be able to be a mirror for me so that at times when I might need a gentle reflection, that we have an established language and a, and a set of tools for that to happen. So ultimately, his, his deep... Um, value to me and my mind to him is that we care for each other's awake state right mm. like like he's a mirror and in, in this field of mirror neurons you know there's so much going on which is directly related to you know what does all things connected mean it's like I've come to trust the mirror that David is. And it's not that he's infallible. You know, I don't have that kind of expectation on him. But I basically have learned to trust him, you know, or if I feel a little out of whack, he'll be one of the first people I'll go to to, to talk something through or to, you know, get a reflection. Did, did you experience that I was, you know, like too bossy and this conversation or whatever. And that goes back to the tools thing. Like, you know, especially if there's any kind of personal conflict between us, do we trust our tools and have we learned to use our tools when we were in a really good place rather than trying to learn a tool when you're already, you know, kind of experiencing separation and angst between you yeah. and not a good time to learn a tool. <laughs> um, well, yeah, go ahead, David. Oh, thanks. Um, we people have come to us and, and asked to that we marry them and we say well we we don't show up on the day of that's uh, we actually meet with you three times ahead of time and um and in that process and we go through tools and we in that process we we have found that there are a fair number of people who want to get married without actually having a relationship and um so a conscious, a conscious relationship. <laughs> well, yeah, I, they, they, they lack the ability to make conscious, make themselves aware of their connection. So when you say all things connected in a way, I think that it, and uh, the, the key here is being aware that things, all things are connected because all yeah. things are connected. And to be aware of that is a thrilling experience and goes into that, that large communion experience or can do yeah. what we what we call oneness so we've actually had to train people to have to about basic relationship skills because for some reason life you know schools don't do that they should but they don't yeah. and even yeah. communicate communication skills are really um rare sad to say and people do need communication skills in order to have relationship uh, upon which to build their jumping off point for this oneness experience. Yeah. Well, let's go. We're going to take a break, and I'd love to go into this oneness experience and the larger field of energy and love from with which we all are, we, we originate from. And you use that in relationship along with the tools. And so you guys have a lot of really 
brilliant exercises, tools, suggestions. It, it, you, this is a, a beautiful manual, a beautiful toolbox, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more with Leela and David Tressimer. Okay. a day in the new empower radio app music to empower your meditation help you relax sleep or provide a calm background while you work the empower meditation channel is interruption free listen now with the empower radio app free in the app store or listen online at empower.fm soothe your soul calm your mind the empower meditation channel blue is my favorite color what's yours what's yours Red is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Well, yeller is sweller for this little feller. And me, I'm keen on green. So what's your favorite color? Tell us, please. Kids will spend 20 minutes listening to songs like what's this. What's your favorite color? Tell us, please. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite? How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives and the Ad Council. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Any daughter would do the same. But soon enough, he needed help doing more things. And it was up to me to be his personal shopper and financial manager, too. And before I knew it, Dad moved in with me. So I became his cook, his personal assistant, his physical therapist, and even his nurse. When I started taking care of Dad, I didn't realize all the roles I'd have to play. But no matter what, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the many roles you play. And to help, we created an online caregiving resource center. At aarp.org caregiving, you can find resources and connect with the caregiving community. Together, we can better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving to learn more. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Smile. You found Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe just listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com. 
where you'll find all the archive links as well as a list of upcoming guests. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'm here today with Leela, Sophia, and Dr. David Tresemer. You can find more about them at illuminatedrelationships.com. Again, that's Illuminated relationships.com and Leela and David before the break we were talking about those tools but one of the things you write about and teach is really helpful I think and and I'm, I'm really curious here you talk about origin stories and you mentioned creation stories before and and our story is so important how did we meet what is your love story why is, so I'm curious why is the story so important and then what is your story? What is the origin story of Leela and David? I'd love to hear more. <laughs> we, um, we both have a, a love of mythology and symbolism and um, have learned because that... Because those are messages from the oneness. Mm, yeah. 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 It's like the expanded side. If you're a psychologist, you might think of them as archetypes and different, different ways, you know, for David, they're angels. For me, they tend to be principles. Um, and I, I feel like we in the West have, have had very limited options in what our origin stories culturally have been. And for the vast majority of people in the West, it's either creationism or Darwinism. And neither of those really work that well for me. And there are elements of both that I integrate into a much bigger understanding of where I come from. Um, for me, there's a, a really important word, which is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, gnosis, which nice. basically means direct knowing and direct experience. One other definition of gnosis is uh, knowing where you come from and why you're here and where you're going. You just have a knowing, an innate knowing. Why are you here? I mean, the perennial question, why am I here? And where do I come from? I mean, people ask these questions and have asked these questions throughout time. So that's the big answer. Mythology and origins and uh, grappling with the big essence of the meaning of life um, also can echo into understanding, well, what's the origin story of a couple? Um, so we started playing with that around some of the workshops we were doing, asking couples to remember and to tell each other, well, how did, because how many times have you been out to dinner with a partner and you just kind of said, well, how did you two meet? I mean, and, and everybody kind of sits up and gets their eyes get usually get really bright and, and they go into this very animated story about how they met. Right. Cause it means something. Because, Often in these stories, you sense the operation of an invisible hand working, trying to get you two together, the two people. And um, because all every story includes something that's impossible or so statistically insignificantly rare that and and that's that's a, there's an amazement that comes. And that amazement is the little the kiss of the oneness. <laughs> that's mm. lovely. Yeah, the kiss of the oneness. 
So we, we found, you know, in listening to many of these stories that often people would discover something in telling, because then we have them really listen to what they say, what their partner says, what they remember. Was there a, uh, an aspect of geography involved? Was there some kind of music playing? Was there a moment when you just went bling? And if so, what do you remember about that? Um, and then sometimes carrying it <clears throat> fully, um, they might actually remember, oh, you know, that music really always has been meaningful, or wouldn't it be great to play that song again? Or maybe we could, you know, go back to that hilltop and, and just remember what it was that brought us together in the moment of our meeting. Um, so it's mostly a, a way of, you know, kind of playing with the memory, but, but also to mine it for information. Um, I mean, one, one parallel example or metaphor for why does it matter is, you know, look at, look at all that's gone into people casting their astrology charts based on when they took their first breath, because things lined up, there was a birth that happened and a lot of influence and meaning can be derived. Um, David has a whole star wisdom piece that he does based on what we call sidereal astrology or where the stars really are, intelligent astrology. And there's, there's a lot of archetypal information in when you took the first breath. So it's sort of based on that. There are patterns and intelligences that bring us together at a certain moment in time and something new is born then. So we so remember. Paying, att paying attention to your origin story and really... Uh, at really mm, amplifying it, really living into it, really letting the imagination uh, fly because it actually is a, is a portal, a window through which the oneness continues to want to speak to you about just how special it was, how much the angels had to work to get you two together. And why? And why? And why? And where are you going? And I think that couples often lose touch. They kind of come together sometimes in a little bit of a dreamy, maybe it's a karmic connection only, and then it'll play out. Um, I think there are rare examples of people who get together really early in their lives, who stay happily and committedly together. You know, it's pretty rare. Um, and by, we, if you're going to say that, we should say we are not unalterably opposed to divorce. We actually look at relationships as a learning experience. And actually, if your partner goes off in a new direction, if you truly love him or her, you say, I wish you well. This was really good. We learned a lot from each other. And may you go on to your next class <laughs> with somebody else. Yeah, yeah I love how you go ahead. Well, just a lot to do with um, communication skills and being accountable 100% for your experience in a relationship. Yeah. Right? Because they yeah. can go bad so fast to where suddenly the person you once loved forever and ever is now your arch enemy. And I just <laughs> think that's so sad. That's very sad. Yeah, you talk about relationship as a living process, and each of us become better human beings through that process. Let me mm -hmm. let me tell you my story then, and but I do still want to hear yours. But I'm curious okay. because I was one of those very 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 young, um, and maybe you can you can um, walk through this with me. So, 
my origin story started with me as a sophomore in high school, having a conversation with the universe, being frustrated with guys, being frustrated with their maturity level, being frustrated with, you know, I was this precocious young woman who was a mystic and a knower back then. And, and so I'm having this conversation and I was at high school. It's after a, a weekend and I was disappointed in my friends and, you know, and, and, and guys and as I'm having this conversation I'm like okay universe like you know who 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 would I if I'm going to marry someone someday what kind of person am I going to marry you know and I'm thinking about this grounded and and um I had my qualities but I'm like having this conversation and the universe that oneness speaks to me and says someone like Kevin Kroll and I had no idea who that was. And I'm like, who is this guy? And that was the beginning of our our story. And um, he had no idea who I was. I had no idea who he was. But I became this voyeur. I'm like, who's this guy that I'm, you know, told it would be perfect for me. And so we've been together 35 years now. That's fantastic. Well, and how, how did you finally actually meet? Well, this was, again, it's the oneness really, um, I don't want to use the word manipulating, but I can't think of the right term right now. The oneness bringing us together. So I kind of figure out who he is. He's a grade higher than me. And I start um, just paying attention to who he is. He had no idea who I was. My sister was in his class and I told my boss that I had a crush on this guy. And my boss was like, would go out to where he worked and teased him because she was a customer and, and he's like, you know, totally not interested in girls whatsoever, but here's how, so this is the second, <laughs> this is the second little push from the oneness. Um, so I try out for our show choir, which he was in, we called it swing choir back then. He was older than I it was only for juniors and seniors. I try out, I make it and we partner up for show choir and <laughs> as we're there for the partnering for the pairing up um he's the second tallest guy and i talked to the universe i'm like oh make me the second tallest girl make me the second tallest girl and she lines us up and i'm the second tallest girl and we became partners and that's all she wrote <laughs> <laughs> i love that I, so is claire audience that would be one thing I, I would say. Do you do you often get you know information that clearly? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that, so yeah. that's a that would be one of the mythic things in in the gifting that that you have an inner voice that you know to listen to and that now you can trust and follow, you know, with more confidence than maybe your fourteen or fifteen year old self was able to, and that you did that right that you listened and and pursued you it. Uh, yeah. You would be amazed. There are actually studies on this. How many people actually have experiences such as yours and shut down and, and say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And uh, it's, it's kind of sad because I think that, uh, you know, s the spiritual realms are trying to trying to uh, acquaint us with our own skills. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, and we actually, for various reasons, and that's why actually Darwinism, which has definite benefits, is not a friend. It is actually because people get this idea that they are this random collection of atoms and 
um, oh, well, just go out and have fun because there's no meaning to anything. And that's that's a disservice to humanity, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so using our story as an example for really developing a conscious, illuminated relationship, what else can we learn from that? And what are some of these other tools? Well, if you were um, coming together and, you know, looking at your, your, your mythic story, you obviously have a, a lot of detail there to work with even you know the the what i didn't quite catch the was it a theater performance or singing dancing yeah singing and dancing group yeah great and do do you still do that um not not for performance by any means (laughs) and you know we we love music and we love to turn on music and you know a good song comes on that we both enjoy we'll turn it up and sing to it and we dance when we can but not not like show choir but that's a good hint for us isn't it that might be a good hint you know because there's a a kind of playfulness that i think often especially no matter, no matter how long we've been with a partner, as we're entering the mature years, more mature years of our life, we, we, we have to kind of remind ourselves how to play and how we used mm-hmm. to play. And the arts is certainly one way of doing that. Um, just, just as a little, as you're, you're speaking, I'm remembering my, my mother um, met her second husband. My dad had died quite young in our life, and she had remet her husband who was her took her to the end of her life um in high school and they were in a play together called Leela Walla the Indian princess and my mother my mother she still had pictures from this time where at that point you know her then to be husband had a crush on her and uh you know they were living on different sides of the country and met when they were 60 years old again and mm. it was just the sweetest thing for me to realize you know how long ago they they recognized and knew one another and it took them you know 50 years to to end up in a partnership um, and for David and me, you know, our, our brief version of a story is that um, we were both married priorly. Yeah, we've had previous trainings. Right, which we've, we've <laughs> neither of us considers that we had failed marriages. We consider we had learning experiences that had challenges. And um, we came into this relationship 23 years ago when we were in our 40s. So we felt, you know, not not just young, you know, young lovers, but, you know, we had a little bit of wisdom uh, under our belt. And I, I was pretty committed to not marrying again unless I had certain uh, deep promptings and knowings that this was a life partner um, that I would otherwise have preferred to stay single. I had women friends who had and still have you know, maintained a, a very fulfilling single life, um, deciding that marriage wasn't you know, like the, the definition of happiness. So I really support women to, to be clear about that. Same with parenting and motherhood. You know, it's really not for every single woman to have children. Um, it's important to realize we don't need to fall into those kinds of programs in order to feel happy or successful, but really to ask what's, what's truly mine to do and to be. And we have intimate relationships outside of marriage as well. Everyone should uh, because we do. I mean, you can't get through this world just being a hermit. Uh, you are learning constantly from interactions with other people, and that's something to be developed. 
Yeah, and, and again, back to that triangle, intimacy, sensuality, sexuality, they're all different. They mean different things. Like I have intimate relationships that are by no means sexual. So those, but, but we shy away from, you know, I don't know whether it's the Puritan overlay or what it is that, you know, sometimes our, our culture gets so rigid. Um, and I think actually the younger generation is now melting down lots of those barriers and just, <laughs> you know, exploring yeah. not only gender issues, but w what is sexuality and partnership and gender. And I mean, it's just amazing, amazing what's happening in this younger generation. So anyway, David and I, I had a friend who basically I had said to her, we were, um, you know, I was living with, with her and her husband at the time, and we were doing some workshops in Boulder together. And I had said to her, I just have this intuition that you're going to introduce me to my future husband. And the next day we were facilitating this workshop and it was the first time I laid eyes on David and he was across the circle and we were doing a Greek dance and he was singing and dancing. And I looked at her and I said, him, I want one just like him. And uh, that was my the beginning of my mythic story. It gets more complex after that. But um, it took us a couple of years after that to, to be able to land the form. But I remembered him clearly. And uh, and, and, uh, and it was like I can still see that image, you know, like what he was wearing, how he looked, how he felt to me. And uh, and even though in that moment, he, you know, it was also that he wasn't free and available and I wasn't going to play the other woman. So it was some years before his previous partnership actually came to its natural end. And as soon as it did, we we reconnected like it was almost like the timing just required that I kind of be alone for a while longer. And. And then when he was through that that process of of that relationship, which had nothing to do with me, because we never saw each other after that moment in the workshop, so it was a, a different kind of timing. But once it was free and clear, it, it just came together so quickly. And we had a, a meditation together. I think it was on our first date. Uh, we sat across from one another and meditated, and it was just just so powerful. And the room dissolved, and I remember trying to crack open an eye, and there was just rainbows everywhere. And it just, we realized, oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I love when you talk about the mythic part of that and, and creating that in. And, you know, so we're talking about this oneness piece and that, that communion piece. But one of the things, if we back up, that I really want to make sure our listeners hear a little bit about before we run out of time is that in the the two part of, of building that relationship and, and understanding ourselves in relationship with other, you do talk about shadows, thorns, and knots. And I really appreciate how you normalize those pieces of who we are to, to really embrace and to celebrate and to, to move through and not run away from. And I love how you explain knots and, and thorns. Do you want to do that for our listeners? Um, one of the best exercises we have when we do a workshop for couples is we, um, I, I, I'm typically the one who gets the job of taking a piece of rope, like 50 feet long, I mean, long piece of rope and tangling wow. it, making it into a big tangle, knots and tangles. And, you know, like we've all had the experience of picking up a cord or something and it's tangled and you have to untangle it. 
And so the what we do is we take some tangled rope and we give it to a couple and we say, untangle it together. Because, you know, when you untangle something, sometimes you think, gee, I wish I had two more hands for doing this. Well, this is the opportunity. Untangle it together. And you really learn a lot that was sort of kind of below the surface, kind of simmers up because some people say, give it to me. I know what to do next. And other people are work, uh, work together really well. And they, they share their insights about what has to have, which loop has to go through what other thing. Or to do it without speaking. We've also done that. You, you mm -hmm. don't speak. You're oh, you don't have to speak. with the task. It's and, all, it, yeah, it comes yeah. up without speaking quite well. Yeah. Um, so that has, to, what, what that does is, and we found over and over again, that when you do that together, the knots in your relationship start to unbind. It's the most amazing thing. Because what are you putting your attention on, right? You're putting your attention on a problem, not particularly a meaningful one, but you have a problem in front of you. How do you work together or How do you work together to, to, un, to tease the knots apart and to open them up? Because all knots bind energy. That energy can be put back into the great pool of love energy and utilized in your relationship. Mm. And similarly with thorns, I mean, the proverbial thorn on the rose um, doesn't make the rose less beautiful. And, and yet when, when we encounter these prickly places in ourselves or in our partner, it's what do we call it? I mean, do we call it a problem? Do we call it, you know, something's gone wrong? Or do we simply recognize that, that an element of being in life is to bring to light what's in the dark, which hence the idea of illuminated, illuminated relationships is the willingness to go into some of the darker places or the deeper places. It's like the, the deeper you dive, the higher you soar. But if people are determined to play it safe and keep a relationship on a superficial level of safety and not grow the margins and trust the power that's actually held in the depths uh, without without having a, a healthy respect for that power and the creativity that can be released when, when I navigate into some of those darker, deeper places of my psyche. If, if I have a healthy respect for that, then I can work with my partner to, to actually shine the light and illuminate and therefore liberate some of that mm. shadow energy. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, that, I'm like here, we, we, I was just with family over the weekend and we were talking about all the things that we wished we could teach in school today and <laughs> illuminated relationships is one of them. You guys are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I want to thank you both for, for being with us here today and sharing your wisdom and, and being really good examples for so many couples in the world today. Yay. Thank you. That's a lovely thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, absolutely. And I, I just want to remind our listeners, they can find both Leela, Sophia, and David at illuminatedrelationships.com. So, oh, thank you. Thank you. And we're going to have to bring you back and talk about even more because you both are just a wealth of information. So I really appreciate you joining us today. Excellent. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Julie. You're a wonderful interviewer, yeah, by the really, way. Yeah, really. By the way, you really are 
<laughs> well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. You make it easy and all the material that you share with the world makes it really easy. So thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie show, all things connected. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. And remember today we're creating connections for the good of the whole until next time I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.